Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Last year, so many people went the extra mile. Healthcare workers went above and beyond. Parents took on additional roles as school teachers. Scientists developed COVID tests and vaccines in record time. If you're running the Chicago Marathon, this is your chance to return the favor. Because this year, you can actually walk an extra mile to honor someone who went the extra mile for you. So, who are you going the extra mile for? Learn more at Abbott Health and Fitness Expo, October 8th or 9th at McCormick Place. Abbott Life, to the fullest. Welcome to the Under Center Podcast presented by St. Xavier University. I'm fortunate enough today to be joined by lead sports anchor from NBC Chicago, Siafa Lewis. Follow him at Siafa Lewis NBC. Sends Alex Shapiro. He's out on holiday and Eric Strobel's working. Tony Gill's running the pot and I am Kenneth Davis. How are you doing today, Siafa? Uh, I'm all right, Kenneth. How are you, my man? I'm doing well. Listen, I, I think I have to ask you the most pertinent question, and it's if you uh, you watched it. Uh, what did you think of the... Uh, Ja Rule, Fat Joe uh, versus. Very well put. Very well put. I, I'm, a, I'm a big Fat Joe fan. I like Ja Rule too for, for his time, but I got to go with Fat Joe on that one. Oh, okay. Oh, I mean, you did you you didn't watch it then. It seemed like you may not have watched that one. No, I didn't. Oh, okay. I, I heard the, the disrespect was nice. The disrespect was nice. Uh, <laughs> well, also, make sure. Oh, my thoughts were Joe had him. I had it like maybe 5 1 Fat Joe. Like okay. Fat Joe was using Jada's Kiss formula to a T, right? And then Ja Rule started laying out the hits, and Joe got a little too disrespectful. Where it was yeah. like, "Whoa, slow your roll down," or whatever, right. you know. What I'm right. So that's how it, Ja Rule ended up winning. But I, it, Joe had it; he had to set up. He had to set up properly. You know what Thank I'm saying? You. So just to Wait. get the random thought, the random thought of the show out of the way. Also, at the end of this interview, you're gonna have we're gonna have uh, Devin Hester, former Bear, future Hall of Famer. He joined us uh, for points bet to talk about the Bears' uh, season and what his thoughts on what's going on with Justin Fields and so on and so forth. It's a pretty interesting interview. Make sure you check it out. Right. So right. time to let the heat loose. The off was back. So let's find out what you thought about last week's loss. Well, not even last week's loss, Sunday night's loss to the Los Angeles Rams and SoFi Stadium. The Bears lost 14 to 34. Uh, what were your thoughts, Siafa? We wish it was over a week ago. Um, same lackluster offense, no imagination, um, very little product productivity. Um, and it really bothered me after the fact to listen to Andy Dalton yesterday after practice talk about this offense as though – Oh, we're just a few plays away. You know, we we moved the ball, but I you're you're a professional athlete. You have to be positive. I understand that. I appreciate that. But just once, I'd like to hear somebody at House Hall say, "We didn't do a good enough job. We have to get better." As opposed to patting themselves on the back for almost doing what they should have done or what they should be mm -hmm. doing or what they should be working towards doing. The defense, and this is why I kept I kept and keep talking about signing Eddie Dalton keeping Jimmy Graham and letting Kyle Fuller walk. Your best cornerback is playing somewhere else. And Khalil Mack, 
while I still think he is the best overall player on the defense, is not the most consistent player on that defense. That's Roquan Smith. We still did. I, I, well, did Robert Quinn play? I don't know if he played or not. I have no idea if he played or not. You have no pass rush. Eddie Goldman didn't play. Akeem Hicks is 32 years old. He's, I, I love Akeem Hicks. He's such a great guy. I just don't think he's at the top of his game like he was two, three years ago. 2018 is over. The sooner Bears fans realize that defense is long gone, the sooner they can understand what the plight of this team is. They are not that talented, and we saw it on Sunday night. So very disappointing. Um, I wasn't surprised, unfortunately, and I expressed that last week. Yeah, definitely, definitely. You did gloat and talk and try to take all the credit for the shot Jason Peters situation. I believe we both said he wouldn't he wouldn't finish out the season. Now, I don't think we knew it was the first game. This, that, this that, happens as as an Eagles fan. This happens almost every single week that he leaves during a game and goes to the locker room every single week. This, I mean, they're, they're trying to excuse it by saying he's he was he's out of shape. And this happened last year. It happened the year before, the year they won the Super Bowl. He didn't even play in the Super Bowl because he he blew out his ACL or his knee earlier that year. He didn't even play in the Super Bowl. People don't realize, don't realize that. So his best days are long gone as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I'm, I feel you. Like I said last week, I had people coming at my neck for saying that he wasn't going to last the season. I wasn't trying to be a jerk. I was just trying no. to state, and I know you too, just trying to state the obvious, you know, just right. – it, it, it kind of even applies to what you're saying about 2018. It's like as Bears fans, and I, neither one of us want to be um, De- Debbie Downers. No. But it's just being realistic because yeah. it's been trending this way for three, we're going into three seasons now. I mean, it, we know the definition of insanity. You know what I'm saying? If you, 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 you do the same thing, you expect a different result. And the defense has been trending down, um, as you just said, the inconsistency by Khalil Mack. And you know the other crazy thing about saying inconsistency? Inconsistency would kind of insinuate that he flares and pops at times. And this is early in the year. But even we the later half of last year, you haven't seen the flares and pops. I mean, just of just a game that he was unstoppable. You know what I'm saying? Like you it's been it's been really two seasons since you saw where there were a game and maybe he would he would drift off in the next game, he'd be nicked up. It's been seasons since you saw full-on, unstoppable Khalil Mack. Um, it's a game record that they have to account for, and they, they, there's nothing they can do about it. Right. And so I think this what happened with the Rams and the, the worry that was caused was you thought you were going to have a decent to good defense, and that's even with Eddie Goldman being out. And now when you see that th- these players are turning to just names – and I'm, I'm, I mean that because I keep saying, well, they have names on that defense, but what I'm saying, I'm implying that behind those names, there's talent. And now it's just like, they're just names really now. And that's when you look at that and we already knew we have offensive woes, it's kind of disheartening thinking about how this season's going to turn out. Now, now I will say, and I, I believe I mentioned this last week, I really do view the first three, four games of the season as almost like a proving ground. So I don't want to go board with anything. I see in the first three to four weeks, and I think it's hard not to. I do not believe the Bears' defense is this bad. They're not going to give up 30 points a game. They're not. The L.A. Rams are a great team. They have a great, great coach. They have a quarterback with an arm who knows what to do at this juncture, who's a proven veteran. So the sky isn't falling. I just think the expectations need to be tempered. Um, You have to acknowledge the fact that this is not a great defense. It's just Mm -hmm. not. And offensively, they have a lot of shortcomings. 
And that'd be the, and, that, and that would be the situation even if Justin Fields was playing. The mm-hmm. difference would be your rookie quarterback, the future of this franchise, would be getting v- invaluable reps. He'd be seeing things that he cannot see in practice no matter what. He'd be seeing things that he cannot see on five slaps, five snaps a game, and you'd be preparing him for next year to hit the ground running. That's why I don't believe they should have signed Andy Dalton, not to mention the fact that it proves that they didn't have a plan. Just like mm-hmm. in 2017, they didn't have a plan. They didn't know they were going to get the guy they wanted in the draft, which is an even bigger problem to me. Yeah, they they basically they, they did the exact same thing is basically what you're saying. Yes. As far as you went out there, you signed a long neck. I even forgot. Uh, you, signed what's, a redhead. you signed a redhead. Yeah, you, you signed him and then you, you drafted Mitch. So it, you, you, you committed the same mistake again. And they're doing, um, they're doing it again by not letting – listen, Justin Fields had 34 um, – played 34 games in college. Trevor Lawrence played 40, okay? Mac Jones and Zach Wilson played 30, and Trey Lance played 19. The other four dudes are starting – wait, mm-hmm. four? One, two, three. The other, well, Trey's, Trey's playing at least. Three dudes are starting. Mm-hmm. The only two teams that, that have this nonsensical, stupid uh, two-quarterback system – one team went to the Super Bowl two years ago and have aspirations of going back to the Super Bowl, and their guy played in Division Two or one Double A, so it makes sense why he's only getting snaps here and there. The guy with the second most experience of the quarterback class is in the same position as the guy on the team that could go to the Super Bowl. It makes no sense in any way, shape, or form to me. I, I another thing, you. and I'm getting way ahead of myself here. Mm-hmm. Another thing, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't, I would not be calling, I wouldn't be calling design runs for Justin Fields either. I just would not. I know he's an amazing athlete. Look at Cam Newton is bigger. How would you still? Please, Cam Newton is bigger and stronger than Justin Fields, and he looks like a punch drunk fighter at age thirty two. Brother, talk that talk right there. I used to be so infuriated the fact that down in Carolina, all right, they would have ten design runs. Why? He's going to run at least seven, eight times just when plays are broken down. Yes, you didn't yes. need that many. I, I, I said to say he's, he's been punch drunk. I'm totally against having an athletic quarterback and, and thinking, especially a guy that can win from the pocket like Justin Fields can, yes. and you're going to shorten his career because you're getting his brains beat in running like a running back. You know, like this oh, isn't – and I, right. This isn't Lamar Jackson, and I'm not trying to take anything away from Lamar Jackson, but to be successful at a high level, Lamar Jackson at this point in his career really has to use his feet. I I, I hope he gets to the point where he can just win from the pocket so he can have an extended career. But when you like, just like what you're saying, it's a risky business when you're starting to do that with an athletic quarterback. And I felt the same way you felt necessarily about Cam Newton. Now, I want to ask you about just putting him in for a play. One of the issues I had was why not give him a series? And I don't think it's fair to Andy Dalton to have Andy Dalton to come in and there's there's three men on base, basically. Like, it's not fair to either one of them. Just give them a, a, a series. So it, it was very frustrating for me what took place last week. And, and if anybody listened to the Monday show, you heard uh, some of our views. But it, it was offensively, it was definitely frustrating and defensively. And as you said, the Rams are a great team. Like this, not let's not play with it. They're I, they're my AFC, my NFC West favorite uh, to win it because I just feel like injuries are going to be an issue for the 49ers. I'm just not convinced they can stay healthy. I don't know if it's with their training or what field they play on, but to me, that injury bug is going to be consistent throughout this year. Or else, I probably would have picked the 49ers because I like Shanahan a tad bit more, a little bit more to Sean uh, McVay. But um, still, how did you feel about how they use Justin Fields? I guess the question that I'm asking. 
I don't like it. Like I, I met, I tweeted it. I, I, I live tweet bears games like a madman. Um, you brought in Andy Dalton to be the starter. If, if your game plan is to have Justin Fields sit and watch and learn, then treat him like Patrick Mahomes, treat him like Aaron Rodgers. They didn't go in a play here, a play there. They did not do that. They sat on the sidelines. They watched for an, almost an entire, in Aaron Rodgers case, a couple seasons, Patrick Mahomes did not see the field of play until the final game of that season, his first year. Game 16, week 17, that's the only time Patrick Mahomes saw the field. Matt Nagy was there. I don't know what he's doing. I have no idea what he's doing. You're disrupting the offensive flow if Andy Dalton drives it down into the red zone. So now a guy who's on a groove gets off, gets off the field. You bring in a guy cold, put him on the field. He Does he even know what he's seeing? And if he does, I mean, most of the plays are read and react, so they're really fast-hitting plays. Whether they work or not, it's not the point. The the you just stop the entire flow and rhythm that the last guy established. If the new guy isn't successful, he gets off, so he doesn't get any kind of rhythm. So what is what is he really seeing? He's seeing one play and then going back to the sideline. What sense does that make? You don't put it. Mm. You're not even allowed to put a pitcher in just for one batter in the in, in MLB anymore. No sense from a, from a growth and progression standpoint. It doesn't make sense to me. I, I totally agree with you. Now moving up to this upcoming game uh, this Sunday at Soldier Fields, which. You can bet inside Soldier Field. Check out points bet. All right. Um, let's let's get into the, the predictions of this upcoming game against the Bengals. You said last week, and you were right. I said the Bengals, I think they're better, but they're still the Bengals. There's a chance the Bengals can beat the Bears. All right. And I'm 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 being like half and half with this one. Um, there's a chance looking at even when we, we talked about kind of the fact that I kind of would have went offensive line, but you saw what Jamar Chase did last week, and that line was clean enough for Joe Burrow, and we're not bringing any pressure anyway. I think you probably have more pressure coming from Zimmer and that Minnesota line. Um, so what are your predictions from this upcoming game this Sunday? What do you expect to happen, and uh, what do the Bears need to do if they're going to win and see off loose opinion? Could the Bears win? Absolutely. Um, will they make enough changes necessary to win? That is the question. I can't answer that right now. Um, we, we talk about Joe Burrow, who looks totally healthy and recovered from his torn ACL. Um, he's a gunslinger. He's smart. He doesn't make stupid second-year quarterback mistakes that you might expect. He has Jamar Chase. He has T. Higgins. Mm-hmm. He also has Joe Mixon in the backfield. The, right. Ram, the Rams like to run the ball, but they – I almost feel as though they didn't run the ball until they had to, and they were successful, mind you. Um, Joe Mixon is better than anybody in the Rams' backfield. So offensively, the, the the Bengals are a problem, and that was really my my vantage point in saying that I think the Bengals could be a problem because I don't know if the Bears can keep up with them offensively. That's the, the greater issue for me, regardless of how good the Bengals' defense is or is not. And they did it. They did a a decent job slowing down Dalvin Cook, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, what do the Bears need to do? I think they need to. Um, Stop throwing these passes to the flat. Go vertical. What are you doing? I mean, give me a 10-yard out. Do a curl pattern, a hook, 10, 15 yards down the field. You're not going to win it by by continuously throwing it into the flat to your wide receiver to try and and, and beat Beat a man. Not going to work. I love Mm -hmm. David Montgomery. I think David Montgomery would be a beast in certain offenses in the NFL. I don't know if Matt Nagy um, has the patience or the discipline to stick to the run enough to allow that to happen, Um, but I think – I think David Montgomery getting 25 to 30 carries would be the key. And I don't, I don't think most offenses in the NFL will allow for that. So for that reason, I, I would have to go to the Bengals right now. Woo. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to go with the bears. All right. Cause I, even though 
and this may be this may be Hope Springs Eternal. Um, I think I, I'm just looking at it as a fact that they were playing the Rams, and I just think the Rams are the cream of the crust. I think maybe they're a notch below the, the Tampa Bay Bucks right now. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, yeah. Uh, playing that team and now coming at the one point you made. I think they're going to have an issue with Joe Mixon because you, I, I, everything you said about Joe Mixon, I'm, 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 I'm piggybacking on. I think it's that's going to be a problem that rugged running back and their dedication, as you as you said, to the fact that they know they have to use him because they don't want Joe Burrow just to be out there to be out there as far as just winging it all day long. Um, Joe Burrow looked nice. I'm a Joe Burrow guy. Joe Burrow looked it's nice tough. last week. Yeah. I, root, I root for him. I root because yeah. you hate to see a player get hurt, a quarterback get hurt in his rookie season. He was um, like that. He, he was Justin Herbert before Justin Herbert was Justin Herbert. True, true, definitely, definitely. Um, you know what? I I think this is probably I hope. I hope that we won't see coverage mistakes like we saw last week. I do believe that Jamar Chase is going to burn a Bears DB. I, I know that's going to happen. That's you know what I'm saying? Happen on Sunday, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm, I'm everyone. It's on the side said. And we all know anyone can get beat. These guys get paid for a reason. All right. But the coverage breakdown when there's two to three guys that aren't on the same page, I I don't think we'll see that as much. I'm not going to say it won't happen. I don't think we'll see that as much this week. I got to be honest. And it depends on if Eddie Goldman is back. And again, I I may just be dreaming this up. He probably was limited. Yeah, he was limited. He was limited. uh, Him and Peters. Him and Peters. So if, if they can... If you can at least get an initial push of the pocket, all right, and perhaps, and again, I'm, I'm hoping this is will help, help this issue, perhaps cause the quarterback to step a little bit further to allow the edge rushers a better angle at getting at him. Um, but again, I'm hoping that this happens. The Bears have to go out and prove it. And again, I, we could see changes on the defense. I have more confidence in Tayshawn Gibson and Eddie Jackson uh, looking in the mirror and saying we we have to step our game up. By the way, did you hear Eddie Jackson? I think I think it was during the uh, training camp. There's a clip of him that I heard. On yes, the- talking about tackle. There's a million guys out there that can tackle. That that's not what you to get you paid. Football, right? Yeah, that made me so very very concerning for a veteran leader on this defense. Very very concerning. Another yeah. reason why Kyle Fuller should still be here, because um, he was a good tackler. Um, so the de- I, I could see the defense working on their mistakes and and getting better i do you have faith in matt Nagy? no I don't. And, that's, and that's and that's why i picked the bengals because you're gonna, have, you're gonna i think you're gonna have to score 24 to 27 points to win this game I don't, I don't have faith he hasn't shown or proven to me that he can get the most out of any quarterback he's had it, that's facts uh yeah. I I know it's not going to happen. I just wish Bill Bill Lazor had a little bit more say so on what was taking place. Did you, hear Bill, did you hear Did you hear Bill Lazor on Wednesday when he was asked about Justin Fields starting? That was Alex's question. Here, that was our Alex's question. They asked him that. Shout out wow. to Alex Shapiro. Um, but when he asked, he yeah, I'm ahead, paraphrasing it, but he he basically asked him after would they increase Justin Fields' action due to what he saw? And I think his initial answer was. No, no, no. He said something to the point of this. I saw enough in training camp that he yeah. can handle whatever you give him. Yes. And then Alex f- followed it up with, well, then why isn't he basically out there? And then uh, uh, um, and then the, the little laser went on to say that Nagy basically told you what's going on. Right. So basically, Bill Lazor saying that Justin Fields is ready. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. It. He, he kind of he kind of made a face. He didn't know where did he, he felt. My interpretation was Bill Lazor was hemmed in. He mm-hmm. had nowhere to go. 
kind of made a face almost like a smirk and said, well, that's, you know, that's, that's Matt's, that's Matt's call. Yeah. Which and said, said everything I needed. Volumes. Yeah. And it's, I like, I want to start printing up t-shirts, just let Bill call the play. And I'm not even, it's, it's right there. Like we've seen it last year. All right. Now it was against bad teams. But, but so but what? We, exactly. Yeah, but we, it but worked. we know. We know that what a, we know what true offense is supposed to look like rhythmically explosive. What dude, the fact that there was no play action and David Montgomery was running the ball like he was running the ball, and we're talking about vertical plays and you did nothing of the sort is ridiculous. Let me ask you this what, what do you think happened to Matt Nagy? Because he's a, he's a very likable guy, he's a smart mm-hmm. guy. And when you think about 2018 and then 2019 and 2020 and 2020, the divergence between the first year and the second and third seasons are so large. It's like a gigantic chasm. And it can't, it's it's not all Mitch. I was never a Mitch fan. I didn't think Mitch had it. I didn't think Mitch could get it. I don't think Mitch ever will get it. And it's not a personal attack. I just. It's just the truth. It's the truth. Right. I, I agree totally. What is the problem with Matt Nagy? I'll tell you this. And I'm, I'm going to try to use a personal experience. One, the first year, we know that everyone didn't have tape and know what he was going to do and how he was going to use Andy Reid's schemes. And basically, after after Mitch got hurt, you saw the offense was really never what it was as early on in the season. So everybody kind of knows what he was going to do. Um, and and it, I guess partially it goes to how creative he can actually be. But then this is a personal experience. I, I remember at one point at work, I was in a free fall, right? And I really couldn't pull myself out of it and in a way, I added to the free fall because I just wouldn't wake up. And I feel like sometimes you can get you can get into so much funk yeah. that it's it's so hard to really see through. And he's doing this live while he's trying to learn. We keep forgetting this is his fourth season as a head coach, and he really wasn't a coordinator at Kansas City. So right. and so basically, this, this is his fourth season as a play caller in the NFL, and he really hasn't had that much success. And as you said. I don't put it all on Mitch, but if Matt Nagy was a good play caller, he would even been able to scheme things to to keep Mitch and the, the offense moving in a positive fashion. I mean, they wouldn't necessarily be world beaters, but they would be competent enough to go along with what the defense was supposed to be. I think that Matt Nagy, in his heart of hearts, knows he doesn't really know what he needs to do. Maybe. I think he's a very confident man. So maybe he's just lying to himself. That's another thing. Perhaps he's just completely lying to himself, but it hurts as a Bears fan when you say, do you believe in Matt Nagy? And I, I, in interviewing Matt Nagy, I said to him, basically, you're, the, you're, you're what's holding this team back, and how do you feel about it? I, I told him I was a Matt Nagy fan, right? I was a, I was a Matt Nagy zealot initially, all right, uh, where I thought year two he was going to grow, and there was no growth. So I had to admit I was wrong. And I said this to him, and he's like, basically, I got to get my ish together, and I got to do what I need to do. And there's no proof that that will ever take place. And I feel sorry because, like you said, and I'm not just saying this because I'm sitting here in this industry in Chicago. I kind of like Matt Nagy. He seemed like yeah. somebody I would have a brew with. I feel, I feel the same way. I feel, I feel bad. I, I don't dog the man, okay? I'm, I'm criticizing the coaching performance. Of the man, I'm, co- I'm criticizing the man's coaching performance. It's a sep- there's a there's a separation. There's a there's mm-hmm. a uh, demarcation point there. It's never ever personal. I don't get personal. That's it's immature. It's unprofessional. It has nothing to do with Matt Nagy as a man. I like the guy a lot, and it it does stink that 
he can't figure out whatever's missing or whatever whatever was lost. And I also put a lot I put a lot of onus on Ryan Pace because it starts at the top. Mm-hmm. Ryan Pace should have called that dude in, in, into his office in twenty in twenty nineteen to have a frank conversation with him, which leads us to a whole other conversation about Ryan Pace and what he does or does not know. So my, my last point before we get out of here to to that question too, Matt Nagy had a, a excellent opportunity to just be a CEO and let Bill Lazor call the plays. To, to just like the ego part of it. You you could have secured the bag of your future, right? And just be like, you know, me and Bill work on it together. You know what I'm saying? Because Bill Lazor wasn't going to throw you under the bus. You could have still taken some credit for what was taking place offensively. We work on it together, you know, but Bill, I let Bill do it because I'm trying to make sure everything's working on both sides. But you could have fed us that crap and we would have eaten it up and your, your team would have had a better chance at success. I'm not saying they would have been world beaters, but the proof is in the pudding. He's way better at that job than you are. And his ego blocked him he wants to go out on his shield and i mean i listen salute to you for wanting to go out on your shield if you're going to get fired and I'm, again that's not saying that at the end of the season he's going to be let go we know with chicago these things are kind of funny back acting in the background but still that the there's a a, a person right there in the facility that can really help this issue and and you're neglecting taking advantage of having that person do their job instead of you doing it. yeah great great leaders don't just leave but they they empower those beneath them to to help them as well so. Let me get a score, Siafa. Um, 27-23 Cincinnati. You know what? I'm going to go 27-21 Bears. Okay. You know what? I think, I, I think the Bears are going to pull this one off. They haven't played at home with the fans in the stadiums in over the a year because of the pandemic. Um, I, I think the Bears – because, listen, this is the thing, too. If they go 0 and 2, all right? Yeah. And 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 then you saw again, they should beat Detroit, but you saw Detroit come back on the San Francisco 49ers cuz I don't have them beating Cleveland. All right? I don't think Baker's going to make enough mistakes for the Bears to be able to beat Cleveland. And Odell might come back for that game. Great point. Great point. Uh but yeah, I, I have the Bears winning. We'll see I'll be back next Friday. We'll discuss it. Uh, we'll see what predictions he lays forth upon us, what comes true. Exactly. Uh, also, make sure you check out the Devin Hester video. See, I feel, always enjoy it every Friday you join us, man. It's definitely a great time. I love chatting up with you. You guys are the best. We'll, uh, we'll talk on Twitter during the game on Sunday. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Today, we're lucky enough to be joined by a future Hall of Famer, Devin Hester. I'm not going to jinx you his facts. Just accept it. All right. Follow Devin at Devin underscore Hester 23. 
Uh, he's joining us as a, a spokesperson for PointsBet. You know here in NBC Sports Chicago, we love us some PointsBet, baby. Don't get it confused, all right? They're keeping the lights on. Uh, but listen, being jumping straight into the PointsBet, you and PointsBet, everything great they got, they have going on. This is going to be the first time here at Soldier Field that fans are going to be allowed to vote, I mean, to, to bet inside of Soldier Field. Uh, so what are your thoughts on that, having that type of access uh, for being a former player and being someone who's out of sports now, having that type of access to be able to bet at will anytime you feel like it during the game, before a game, after a game. That that's 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 crazy and that's unbelievable. I'm I'm so glad that these guys came up with this idea. A lot of guys that that does a lot of these betting sites stay home because they want to make sure that they have their bets going on. Now you have the access to go to be able to go to a live football game in Chicago and still do your points while the game is going on is unheard of and unbelievable. And I'm so glad these guys came up with this opportunity and it's plan to get this thing going. You know, this is really, really like really started standing out. And I'm so proud that uh point that that I'm a part of the, the, the team and that um they're doing some incredible things. Look, just outside of just Soldier Field. There's also premium locations around Chicago that you can you can you can do points bet. Talk a little bit about that. Right. So they have a, a couple of locations that's going on right now. Um, actually, they have one at um at uh, with, with Dan Hamilton that's coming this Sunday at the Hawthorne Crestwood. Um, it's Sunday, which is ten to eleven. You can actually get a chance to meet him. Uh, two thousand, I want to say two thousand two Hall of Fame. Um, he's going to be at one of the, 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 the sites. And um, like I said, they have a couple of them that's right now, and they're, they're expanding as the day go by. So eventually, hopefully, this thing will be nationwide. Look, uh, it's funny talking about being able to bet in Soldier Field. I, I want you to talk a little bit about your experiences at Soldier Field, especially being a Florida boy coming up north to cold Chicago. But how right. was it to sit there and play on the lake? Because being a Southside kid, you kind of take for granted when you when you're coming downtown. Like when I take people from out of town and they get to Soldier Field and they see downtown, it amazes them. But growing up in the city, you really don't care. But how was that experience for you coming from down south and coming up here and playing in such an historic site at Soldier Field? Man, it's, uh, my first couple of weeks of just being in Chicago and um, all I can hear about is, man, you got to go see the city. You got to go downtown to see the city and. When I was on the highway, man, just driving it, and the minute I started smelling chocolate, I knew I was close to the city, man. And it's just the high rises, man, the high rise building. Like from down south, we don't have that type of city, you know what I mean, unless you go to Miami. But I'm from West Palm, so the high rise building, you know what I mean, coming miles away from the city to be, to be able to see all those buildings, you know what I mean, 40, 50, 60, 70 floors high, you know what I mean? We never seen that, you know, and so... That drive down to that city, man, and then to be able to drive on the side of that Michigan Lake while you got thousands of high rises beside you, man, was it's an incredible sight, see, the sight to see. Now, Devin, the real reason why I asked you that is because it's a chance the Bears may be moving out to the suburbs in Arlington Heights. And how would how would it be to be a player that one you play right there on the lake, and it, maybe it doesn't factor in, but to play in a totally different place? And you talked about downtown, the lake, the water, and now you're playing in an old landlocked suburb. I don't, I don't, I don't agree with it. It's like, I don't know if you guys are familiar with yeah, down, down South and you went to the University of Miami Hurricane. Now, when we had the OB, which is called the Orange Bowl, it's a tradition that, that was in that field when you think about all the great players that came through the University of Miami that played in the OB. 
and then to tear it down and then move to another another location, it only not took away the tradition, but it took away some of the excitement and some of the wins. Because once we move from that OB, it seems I don't want to curse the Bears, but once we moved away and they tore that, that, that stadium down, which was hard in the city of Miami, and moved it away to Fort Lauderdale to the Hard Rock, the season wasn't the same, man. It wasn't the yeah. same. Listen, we're still waiting for Miami to you to get back. And look, sticking with the U, now you have a situation with the NCAA where the players can, can benefit off their name, image, and likeness, all right? I know you had to think about how that would have benefited you back in that back in the days. How do you feel about players being able to make a little bit of the money they deserve? Because they deserve even more than that when you really think about the type of money they bring to, to revenue-driven sports in college. Right. I think it's an opportunity to, for those guys to, to help out their family members at an early stage. You know, a lot of guys are going into the league just so they can help out their mom and their dad from the struggles. Now you're in a situation where you're getting paid and some of the money that you're getting is well over enough to front your mama bills or your father bills. You know what I mean? And that way you don't have a lot of kids that's projected in the fourth, fifth, sixth round that's coming out just because of the situation their parents are in. Now you can stay and get your degree. You know what I mean? I, I believe that situation is going to boost the population of, of kids graduate because now you're not chasing the money to be able to help out your family that's struggling back home. You know, now you're going to be able to sit in college and get your degree as well as still be able to provide for your family at the same time. So I think that's a great idea. I, I agree with you. Um, let's dive into today's Bears, all right? And Because we got a lot of situations going on here right gotcha. now. Uh, it's, it's, it's not going the way that we prefer it to go as, <laughs> as a Bears fan base, Devin. But I think the biggest issue, and you see it nationally, it's kind of low-hanging fruit, is Justin Fields and should he start and when he should start. Um, do you believe one that Justin Fields should be out there playing over Andy Dalton? I believe that um, in this situation, man, like if you draft a guy at his caliber, um, I know we brought in Andy Dalton um, and picked the guys up to, to, to find some pieces to the puzzle. Um, but when you go into draft and you draft a kid like that, um, the city is, is begging for somebody like this to get on the field and, and take over. Um, I do believe that um, sometimes you have to put a guy in there and groom and get him ready for the season. I don't, I don't, I don't agree on playing chess with the quarterbacks. You know whether you know you 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 don't really know who's the starter each and every week, and it's regular season. I can say preseason, okay, you can play around the quarterback, but once the season starts, I believe you should solidify your quarterback, and whatever happens throughout the first couple of weeks of the season, you stick with that guy. That way he not only is playing not to make mistakes, but he's playing to make make plays. But when you have a quarterback that's in, that you have a quarterback battle that's going on from week one to week six, seven, now these guys are really not showing their potential or what they're capable of doing because at the end of the day, you plan not to make a mistake instead of making plan to make plays. And that's the situation I hate that the Chicago always end up in is these quarterback situations where they're, playing chess match with these guys and these guys playing not to make mistakes because they know if I make a pick, I make a bad read or I throw a pick, it's the possibility that they're going to pull me. And when and me as a player, if I can play free, well, I know if I make a mistake that I'm not going to get pulled and I can say, okay, I made a bad mistake right there, but hey, I'm going to make up on these next two plays. You know what I mean? That's when the confidence build. And so I don't, I don't, I don't like the chess game match with the quarterback situation, like I say, but at the end of the day, it's a fan. He's a fan favorite right now. You know what I mean? 
Fields is a fan favorite. And I believe we should go ahead and let's go ahead and just ride with him and let's play. Look, I'm going to dive back into the Bears and Justin Fields in a second, but I want to get into you because you just piqued my interest with something. There was a period in time here where they were changing, they were, they were attempting to make you into the primary receiver, right? Right. And you, you kind of mentioned that as far as the feeling of not wait, what, not caring if you make a mistake because you basically know they're behind you. I take it right. as what you're kind of saying. So you can play freely because you're not going to get yanked. You're not going to get that that ultra criticism because you know they have faith in you. If they criticize you, it's, it's constructive criticism, basically, right? right. How, how could they have done that differently with you? And do sometimes, like, you see someone like a Tyreek Hill, right? Because I think it's a, a good cop to you. Someone like a Tyreek Hill, you know, two or three years ago, Jalen Ramsey was criticizing him, saying, you're just a return man. And now right. he's one of the top receivers in the game. Could that have been different from you had per- perhaps the team been behind you fully or the quarterback? Another issue, we all know, issues right. you had with Jay Cutler not necessarily believing in you. Do you think that could have went differently for your career and changed necessarily your production when it came to offense? Right, most definitely, man. If, if, we, if you look at the, the first year uh, me and Jay Cutler connected, um, was, which was my third year in the league, you look at my stats, I believe, like, with four games left to go, I ended up getting hurt. And so I missed, I think, the last four games. But I was on pace for 1,000 yards. I had, I think I ended up, like, 750-something yards, like, four games left. So the connection was there, but I don't know where it fell apart with me and him when it came to the next previous years, um, whether it was lack of confidence, um, Amy, I don't, and, or he felt favored for other guys. You know, I don't know where his mind went, but looking at Tyreek Hill and these guys and, and Stefan Diggs, you know what I mean? The potential and the talent that I, I had my time playing receiver, I do feel like I could have been one of those type of guys if, you know what I mean, the, the, the trust issues and everything was, was in that picture. I, I believe that too. Like getting back to this team, as a former player, and talk about the Justin Fields situation, but not even just the quarterback. I mean, it's for all positions, but in particular, the quarterback. How does it sit in the locker room if one player is favored over another, but the player that he's favored over could probably impact the team winning, uh, winning, being better, being a better team? Like, how, how do the guys react, and how does that affect the locker room when you see favoritism and a player sitting that can help you guys win? Uh, it's tough. You know, it's tough. And at the end of the day, the players, it's only – if both of us, me and you know, it's only maybe one or two players in that locker room that really, really, when they voice their opinion, matters, right? So in that situation, you know, as players, a whole unit, like we can only just sit and watch and keep our comments to ourselves and just hope for the best. You know, whether you have a favorite quarterback that you want to play and the coaches might not see, see eye to eye, or it could be the general manager. It could be the head coach want to make a decision, but the general manager, like, no, we're going to stay with this to otherwise. So at the end of the day, you know, who knows what's going on in, in the organization, but at the end of the day, they, I really do feel like they, they have to make a decision and, and stick with it, man. No more just playing chess match with these guys and, and having these guys battling every week for a quarterback starting job when you're already in week two. Have you ever been in a situation, this would be Pop Warner, college, high school, and the pros, where you lost faith in a coach? And if so, how hard is it for you to lock in when you don't believe the person who's supposed to be leading? I, I Most definitely. I had an incident my junior year in college. You know, my sophomore year, I 
beat out the guy for the starting job at cornerback uh, midseason. And my sophomore year, I ended up leading the team in picks and everything, you know, so the confidence was sky high from making a parade All-American to everything as a corner. And then my junior year, um, I have an incident where the coach tell me, you know, I'm getting too much publicity, you know, too much uh, attention is on me, all these magazines, all these photo shoots and everything like that is coming up and it's, it's overwhelming. We're going to bench you, you know, and put you with the threes and threes and the fours until all this stuff calmed down. So that right there destroyed me. You know what I mean? As a kid, like at the end of the day, I'm not looking for these photo shoots and these magazine, Parade All-American. I don't want all that. I just want to play football. And so when I get benched because of that, my whole junior, I didn't even start at corner. Like I said, bitch, my whole junior, you know what I mean? So in my mind, it destroyed me from football. Like it was days where I left practice, like just so frustrated. Didn't tell nobody, just walked out of practice. You know what I mean? And, and you got in the car and left. Like I was literally destroyed. Like when you have somebody that lose faith in you, I just, you know, know you have the talent, but don't play you. You know what I mean? And then you have your teammates at the same time that are ruining Like, hey, man, we know what this guy can do. But y'all refuse to put this guy in the game. Like, stuff like that can really, really, like, tarnish a kid. You know what I mean? So I hope that, you know, Justin um, – I mean, I hope that um, these quarterbacks are in a situation where Phil is, you know, mature enough to say, hey, when my time coming to come, you know what I mean, be patient. But otherwise, if you have a patient guy that's willing to explode and ready to play ball and he's not given the opportunity, it could, it could put a dent in his mindset and his heart for football. It's funny hearing you say that. As far as getting that attention that sophomore year and going to that that junior year, it makes me even think about the name, image, and likeness, and how that could even hurt you even more if a coach if you're succeeding and the coach is trying to pull you back and hinder you from succeeding and messing with your money as a college student. Think about how that would have been affecting you outside of just playing. Exactly, man. And it's it's it it it, it all boils down to one thing. You know what I mean? Whether a guy is ready to play and you know he is, and you don't pull the trigger. Right. And and by not pulling the trigger, that could hinder that kid in all circumstances, whether it be school. You know what I mean? Because I was in the mindset that I didn't even want to go to school no more. I didn't want to do anything with football. You know what I mean? It, it shut down everything for me. You know, and the hate said that only thing that kept me motivated and driven was I was still able allowed to do kickoff and punt returns. So I was still taking them back then. When I was bench, I was I was like, okay, he don't want to play me on, on in defense. I'm gonna take a point back. So now take a point back. So that was the only thing that motivated me and kept me in spirit to continue to play football was because I always had two positions that I was playing, whether it be kickoff point turning cornerback or kickoff point turning wide receiver. So if one of them didn't work, I was always good at the other one. So Hey, in his situation, he's just playing quarterback, right? He yeah. don't have one position. So that one position is taken away. You know, hopefully he can keep his spirit up, man. Look, I, I want to get into focus and commitment, but I think it's wild because just playing a little bit of football and on coverage on, on special teams, you kind of got to be a maniac. And I was not returning the ball because <laughs> I was explaining it last night to the family. Like the first time you get on special teams is one of the scariest things you ever do in your life. Right. It's either you're covering and you're running downfield and somebody's getting ready to run at you. Right. Look, how, look, how, like, or you're like, returning is crazy. Dude, for you to have that speed and change your pace on a dive, dude, you, you, you crazy. Like, let's be honest to a certain degree. You're a wild man. All right. Because that's, that's different. All right. Like, people run away from that. You don't run through it. Yeah. Most of it is, it's, it's just a blessed talent, you know, that I was blessed with at a young, young age. 
Um, it's not something that just started once I got to the league. Like, I was always that type of player. You know what I mean? Was able to change direction on a dime and, and not lose any speed. Um, so that was a God-gift talent that was just blessed um, blessed to me. Um, but other than that, you know, I just had fun at it. You know, it's something that I love doing. I had passion for it. And um, God allowed me to be good at it. I got a few more questions for you. One, have you ever been a person, I'll say this as a Bears fan, when you got paid, you still, because that's why I want to talk about the craziness of running like that. When you got paid, you were still doing it, all right? Yeah, yeah. But have you ever seen a player after securing a bag, basically getting a big contract, commitment and focus and desire change? And if so, how did you guys, how did you guys react to that in the locker room? Um, you know, you have certain players that that's only playing for the money, you know, and once they get that money, you know what I mean? It's, it's backseat, you know what I mean? Now I'm just going through the motion. And then you have guys on the other side that just love football. They say, at another day, right, if the Chicago Bears didn't pay me, if they allowed me to be on the football team, I would still be playing, right? Them the guys that love football, right? And then the other guys are chasing the money. You get paid and you say, hey, I, don't, I just did it for the money. But um, it is one guy that I can honestly say that once he got the bag, he still had that, that mindset of going out each and every day and playing like he – you know what I mean? It's, it's the love of the game. And I would say Tyree Hill, if you look at him, you know what I mean? Tyree, he got paid once or twice, you know what I mean? And look at his performance. It didn't even drop. Like last week, he had almost 200 yards receiving. You know what I mean? Two touchdowns. Like the guy is just driven that he just loves football. You know what I mean? And he's one guy that I can honestly say that I don't know what's going on in that organization. But when I watch him perform and play football, I can tell money is an issue for him. Money is not a goal for him. He loves the game of football. Look. What's it going to mean to be the first primary return guy to be elected to the Hall of Fame? I know you don't want to jinx it, but you, it's a given you're going to get into the Hall of Fame. Even when you was playing, it kind of was known that you were going to be that first dude. So what does it mean to you when you get that call? Um, what's it going to mean to you to make it to the Hall of Fame in a position that nobody's made it? It's just been three kickers when you talk about special teams. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, to, for me, it's, it's crazy because it's the first to ever do it. You know what I mean? You have over 300 players in the Hall of Fame. And you have 20, 30 quarter, you have 15 to 20 quarterbacks, 15, 20 running backs, you know what I mean? Linebacks, D tackles. All those guys are in there, you know, and then to be the first one as a kickoff and punt returner to make the Hall of Fame, not only just talking about the Hall of Fame, right? Because the goal in everybody that plays the, in the National Football League goal, one, they should be to make the Hall of Fame. If you don't have that mentality, I don't know why you're playing the game of football. But to go back off, pick it back off of what you're saying, um, just to be the first one, it's, it's crazy and it, it's mind-boggling because, you know, you're thinking about me as a player and everything that I did and everything that I accomplished. And to be the first to ever do it, you know what I mean? It's it's almost mind-struck. Like, it's it's something that, as a player, you in this situation, you never imagine. Right. You you can all growing up, you can imagine one day I'm, I'm playing a whole, in, a, in a Pro Bowl, one day I'm going to make it to the Super Bowl, or one day I'm going to score a touchdown in the NFL. But you know, I would I would honestly say that nobody as a, from 1990 to today, right, has ever thought about I'm going to be the first quarterback to make it to the Hall of Fame. I'm going to be the first running back to make nobody in, in our era and it has ever thought about it. And for me and my era to say that, wow, 
I'm gonna be the first kick on punt return that make it to the Hall of Fame to open up the doors for everybody else. You know, it's almost feeling like, you know what I mean, you Rosa Parker, a Dr. Martin Luther King, you know what I mean? The first to ever do it, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's when you sit here and you ask that question, it really, really made me think like, wow, not only would I be blessed to make the Hall of Fame, but if I make it to be the first kickoff and punt return to open up doors for everybody else, that's a blessing, man. Look, how do you rank? It took me some years. You, you had to be in about your fourth year before I started saying perhaps you was a better return guy than Dion. All right. Rank, I need your 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 rank because I'm I'm a, like a Dion Mel Gray, you know, Dante Hall. Like rank your return guys. And who did you pattern yourself after if you pattern yourself after anybody? Um growing up, the X Factor was in my era of a kickoff and punt returns. Mm-hmm. Dion was, he did his first couple of years. So, you know, once he got to that prime time image where he was just that lockdown corner, he was just flashback that every now and then. Yeah. But um, my era had it be Dante Hall. And um, he was that guy that was just known as a kickoff and punt returner, the X Factor. You know, he had, I think, two years where he just exploded. And um, just really took over that, that that return job, you know what I mean? So that was one of the guys that I, I, I admired growing up. Um, Josh Cribb is another great returner, you know what I mean? Um, of course, Deion Sanders. Um, whenever we would always beg, everybody would beg for Deion to go back there, but he was just too valuable on the defense part of the game plan that they, they only put him back there when it was fourth quarter and they down – four points with two minutes left to go in the game. Then you would see him go back there. Um, those are the, those are the, like the main three guys that really, really just kind of stood out, man. Devin, listen, everybody out there, you can bet inside the stadium in Soldier Field. Use points bet. There's premium locations around the city. Devin, we appreciate it. And I'm going to tell you right now, because I don't – I may talk to you next year, all right, to do some points bets, talk, a discussion – but uh, I'm going to give you your early congratulations, man. You deserve it. All right. And as a Bears fan, we appreciate everything you did. All right. For us, thanks man. for having me, man. All right. Thanks, Devin Hess, also Siaka Lewis, for joining earlier on in the podcast. That's it for the Under Center podcast. We'll be back Monday, breaking down whatever took place against the Bengals in Soldier Field. Rate, follow, review. Hit us with the five star. And if you're betting, use points bet. And remember, you can use it now in Soldier Field. <laughs>